Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 16, The Five Kingdoms. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that tells you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm Scott Mitchell, and I'm not with Zena today. She's off today, but don't worry, the Warrior Princess will be back. And I'm excited to tell you that this is going to be the last season episode. In other words, 2020 comes to a close with this episode, and today we're going to talk about the five kingdoms. Now, you might recall last episode, we were discussing the serpent in the garden. And one of the things we realized was that the serpent wants to reclaim his throne. The devil, Satan, Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, all the same entity, was once the king of Tyrus who had a throne on this earth, and he decided he wanted to rebel against God, convinced a third of the angels to join him in a rebellion, and he lost that rebellion. And we discussed the fact that God then made man and gave him dominion of the earth, and the serpent in the garden convinced man to rebel against God himself in the sin that was committed, and therefore sin entered into the world. So sort of by default, the devil is the king of the earth, but not really. He's the god of this world, and he controls the world through men. But he ultimately wants the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to talk about that today. So buckle up, get ready to take the red pill, because here we go to discuss the five kingdoms. And we're going to start in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 2. And verse 31, where there's a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, and Daniel, the prophet of Israel, is called in to interpret the dream. First, he gives him the dream, and he says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass. His legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now, we've discussed this image in previous episodes, but we're going to go into analyzing this image a little bit because this is a picture and a prophecy of four kingdoms that will reign on the earth or have reigned on the earth and ultimately taken out by a fifth kingdom, which is the rest of this dream. He says, Thou sawest, in verse 34, till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. 
Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So we're going to find that this image that was in the dream Nebuchadnezzar had is a picture of four kingdoms and a fifth kingdom that will destroy all the other four kingdoms. And so we go to the interpretation of the dream. We don't have to guess. Daniel was given by God the understanding of what this image and what this dream means. So we say in the same chapter and we pick up in verse 36. This is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, that would be the silver, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. So we're given the interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of the kings here that will follow, so kings will follow him. He's the head of gold. There would be an inferior kingdom after him of silver, then of brass, and then of iron. And we know historically that the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar presided over was Babylon. That kingdom was replaced or conquered by the kingdom of Persia. The media Persians defeated Babylon, and that would be the kingdom of silver. Then Alexander the Great from Macedon brought in the Greek empire that conquered the Persians. And ultimately the Romans conquered Greece so Rome would be the Iron Kingdom, or the legs of iron in the image. Now, there's more in the book of Daniel that gives different metaphors or analogies for kingdoms, not an image, but a different kind of thing. And we go to Daniel chapter 7 for that. And we start in verse 1. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. So this time it's not the king that's having a dream. The king happens to be Belshazzar, who I believe was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. But it's Daniel himself that has the dream. In verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh." After this, I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, 
The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, that's quite an image, and quite a dream, if you will. Four different beasts coming up out of the sea. Now, we're going to find out that there's significance to each one of these pieces of the puzzle. The significance of the lion, the leopard, the bear, and the dreadful beast with the iron teeth and the ten horns. And the sea itself represents humanity or the nations. That's true throughout the Bible. The sea is the ocean as well, but it can also be a metaphor for the sea of humanity. And so uh, if we continue the dream a little bit, he says in verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So once again, we've got the fifth kingdom here, and we're beginning to see that this kingdom has to do with the Lord, the Son of Man, a reference to Jesus Christ, the Ancient of Days, a reference to God the Father, and a kingdom that will never be destroyed. So we are seeing laid out before us in the book of Daniel, essentially God's plan prophetically announced for all the kingdoms of the world until he returns with his kingdom. And interestingly enough, there's only four kingdoms referred to that God acknowledges. Once again, they are Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Babylon is the image in the dream like the lion, Persia like the bear, Greece like the leopard, and Rome is the dreadful kingdom. Now, we think about history and we say, well, the Roman Empire was ended, you know, 1,500 years ago or longer than that, somewhere in the, in the very distant past. But in reality, we still live in the fourth kingdom because the fifth kingdom is the kingdom of Christ, also referred to as the kingdom of heaven, and it hasn't come yet. It was offered when Christ was alive and on the earth, and we'll talk about that shortly. But something happened to that kingdom, and it doesn't exist on the earth as it will when Jesus Christ comes back. So since God does not recognize in the scriptures the Chinese empire, the Spanish empire, the British empire, Portugal, America, you name it, what are we today to think of those kingdoms. Are they still an offshoot of the Roman Empire? And I would venture to say the answer is yes, because the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom, went into a mystery form. And we're going to get to some of that here shortly, so bear with me. We'll go to Daniel chapter 10, though, first, because we're going to see something about these kingdoms, okay? We think of kingdoms like Persia, Greece, Rome, and Babylon, and they were ruled over by men. 
But you'll recall that an angel came to speak to Daniel in chapter 10, and we've talked about this before. His name was Gabriel, and it took him a while to come to Daniel to give him the information because he said he had to fight with the prince of Persia. And after he gave Daniel the information, near the end of Daniel 10, verse 20, we read, Then said he, this angel, Knowest thou, therefore, I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grisha shall come. So he was fighting the prince of Persia to get to the earth to give Daniel the information. Now he's got to return and fight with the prince again, and then the prince of Grisha is going to come. Now these princes can't be men because a man could not hold back an angel for three weeks. He said he was 21 days delayed in trying to get to Daniel by the prince of Persia. So the prince of Persia is a fallen satanic angel. These angels are the princes of nations. So we see in the scripture that angels control nations. No matter who the men or women might be in power, according to the Bible, spiritual entities govern those nations. And there's a prince of America, there's a prince of Great Britain, there's a prince of China, Russia, you name it. I can assure you. In fact, verse 21 says, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Now, Michael is the archangel of God. He's not a fallen angel. And he's the prince of Israel. Israel today is not abiding with Michael as their prince. There's a modern Israel that is not yet back in God's eyes, so to speak, according to the scripture has turned his face from them until they acknowledge their offense and make their confession as a nation. We're not to that time yet. But Michael is the prince of Israel, and he will return in that capacity someday. But in the meantime, fallen satanic princes, fallen angels, control the nations. And there's a reason why. So men operated on the earth, but the devil and his angels operate through them. If you'll recall when we talked about things concerning the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life, we mentioned Cain and Abel. Cain slew his brother Abel, but it was the devil that made him do it or incited him to do it. The devil couldn't kill Abel himself. So these spiritual entities have a limitation in their powers until they're confined to the earth in a physical form, which is coming. It's coming in the future. But for now... They're only allowed to do so much. You might remember in the book of Job, the devil said to God, "Ah, he'll curse you to your face if you take away his livelihood or if you take away his wealth or if you take away his health. And God allowed him to do all three things, but he said, don't take his life. So these angels are still limited by God. The head of Babylon, the head of gold in the image, the lion in the dream, is Nebuchadnezzar. The first king of Persia, the kingdom that was the bear, or the breast of silver in the image, was Darius the Mede. The leader of Greece, the king of Greece, was Alexander the Great of Macedon. Greece represented the animal that was the leopard in the dream of Daniel, or the belly of brass in the image of Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, Caesar would represent the leader of Rome, the dreadful beast. The, the image had the legs of iron and the, the iron teeth in the uh, dream. That's Rome. 
So we talked about the four beasts coming up out of the sea. Well, that's a picture of something that is fulfilled in the book of Revelation. So we'll go to Revelation chapter 13, and we'll notice verse 1. John writes, and he says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. That's the second time we've seen ten horns. And upon his horns, ten crowns. So ten horns, ten crowns, they're kings. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. There's seven heads, ten horns. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Well, now we're beginning to get a picture here. When Daniel had the dream, he saw from the perspective of the four separate beasts over time that had not yet occurred. Those empires had not yet been fulfilled in history. John writes from the vantage point of those four beasts having already existed, and the fourth beast is a dragon. It's the seven-headed beast that comes up out of the sea. He rises out of the sea of humanity. So it's a picture of Satan's kingdom, the Roman Empire, and the Antichrist, who is that beast finally in the end there. These are representations of political power. So once again, what we're trying to get you to think about and understand is that these four kingdoms comprise the entire prophetic program of God. No matter what modern nations there are today or whoever's the superpower is just an extension of the Roman Empire. And it ultimately is going to bring forth this fourth beast with the ten horns and the ten crowns. And that's where we're headed with this. This beast is a composite of all the world kingdoms rolled up into the final kingdom of rebellion against God. That's where the world is headed. We're headed into a global unified governance where there may be individual nations, but there were individual nations under these empires. We don't really have an empire, or do we? I would say America is an empire in many respects, and therefore could be the fulfillment of this. But America could go down and another nation rise up to be the fulfillment of this. It's still going to be the extension of the fourth kingdom. So let's talk about the ten horns and the ten crowns. For that, we'll go to Revelation chapter 17. And in verse 12, we read, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These, these ten kings, these have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Now, the statement that they have one mind doesn't mean that they only share one brain, although sometimes men act like it. <laughs> but they have one mind in what their intentions are. They are in agreement about what they're going to do. They're going to give their power and strength unto the beast. And it says in verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Well, the Lamb is Jesus Christ, and he's going to return. 
So the ten horns are the ten kings that are going to bring all the global governance under the auspices of this beast. They're going to give their power and strength to the beast, who will basically be the king over all the earth at that time. And they are all going to turn and fight against the Lamb, Jesus Christ, when he returns with his angels. Now, we think about ten kings, and we think of kings as, you know, wearing a crown like the king of England or this or that. But what if ten kings are kings because of their wealth and power and control? What if it's more than just an honorary monarchy or a traditional monarchy that's been recognized for decades or centuries? There are people behind the scenes that have unimaginable wealth that could be these ten kings. They could very well be the individuals that have this power and control. They don't even have to be known or recognized like a Prince Charles or something like that. They could be a cult, as it were. And as a matter of fact, the next episode, which is going to be the first episode of the new year, because you're now listening to the last episode of 2020. And when we get into the next year, we are actually going to get into talking about the satanic global elite. And we're going to do our best to try to expose them and their devices. So that's the reason why I'm talking about the five kingdoms today, because this all ties back in to what they, the global elite, are trying to do. So we're going to go back to the book of Daniel again, chapter 7, and we're going to pick up in verse 7 again. We talked about that fourth beast, which is that seven-headed dragon in the book of Revelation, but he's not described that way yet in Daniel, chapter 7, verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. It was more powerful than all the kingdoms before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the Satanic Global Elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. 
These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. Now, what Daniel is revealing here is something that John will later expand upon when he reveals the Antichrist. The Antichrist comes into power to take control of the fourth kingdom. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel chapter 9, there's a reference to the people of the prince that shall come. And the reference to the prince that shall come is this man, the Antichrist, the son of perdition. And it said that the people would destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, Rome destroyed the sanctuary of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 A.D., So that could be a reference to a future destruction as well, because as we've seen, there's nothing new under the sun, according to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's probably a type of another future event. But Rome was that kingdom, and Rome will be the final kingdom, this fourth beast, this diverse and terrible, dreadful beast with the iron teeth or the iron legs in the image of Nebuchadnezzar. He says in verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. So all ten thrones of these final ten kings, which is going to include the Antichrist. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. And we think about wheels and what Ezekiel saw when he saw the wheels of the cherubim in the vision when he had and he saw God's throne. So I suspect these wheels are going to be the same crafts that the cherubim are in and when, when he sees the Lord come down. It says, A fiery stream issued and came out forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And he's referring to the angels there in those numbers. And when the books were opened and the judgment was set, he's talking about there's a point in time when all is said and done, when this fifth kingdom, which is going to last a thousand years on the earth until this time, when the judgment is set and there is a throne that's going to come down and God is going to eventually judge all mankind by opening the books, and the main book that we're hoping our name is going to be written in is called the Book of Life. Verse 11 says, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. Now he's back to talking about that little horn that rose up, and the great swelling words had to do with him rebelling against God. This is the Antichrist. He says, I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. We'll find in the book of Revelation that the beast is ultimately going to be thrown in the lake of fire. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. In other words, that's how history would eventually unfold. Babylon would be a kingdom for a time, then Persia would be a kingdom for a time, and then Greece, and then Rome. And Rome will be the final kingdom, that, or the fourth kingdom rather, that the fifth and final kingdom will destroy. 
the kingdom of God. So it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So we read earlier that part, but we wanted you to see that this is the kingdom of God and of his Christ. Now, we skip down to verse 17 and we refer back to the to the beast because this is the dream, but an angel gave Daniel the interpretation of the dream. And in verse 17, we read these great beasts, which are four. We're talking about the, the leopard, the lion, the bear, and the dreadful beast. He says, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. And of course, a king has a kingdom. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Now, he says they're going to take the kingdom. Well, there's four different kings, but it's really a kingdom that is an empire. So when you think about Babylon, there were many nations under the empire of that king. Persia, many nations under the empire of the Persians. Same with Greece, same with Rome. So ultimately, there's going to be many nations under the kingdom, and this kingdom is really the kingdom of heaven. It's not God's kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven that got stolen by the dragon and his angels. And we're going to get more to that in just a few moments. Eventually, Christ is going to reclaim his kingdom that was taken from him unrightly, and he'll get that back. So he said that the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And the indication is this fourth kingdom is going to be the most oppressive global kingdom that's ever been. And unfortunately, you're seeing the rise of that kingdom right now. This final mystery Roman Empire that's growing as we speak, and the ten kings, which are some extremely wealthy, controlling oligarchs out there, are coming into power, and they are about to put down every bit of liberty and press down any insurrection that can be had. We're heading into a time of deep and great trouble and chaos and confusion under these 10 kings. But he's asking the question, who are these and of the 10 horns that were in his head, verse 20, and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. And he's referring to the Antichrist. I beheld... And the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. That's exactly what Antichrist is going to do. He's going to make war with the saints on the earth during the seven-year time of tribulation. And he says, I beheld until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. 
And folks, we are in the time of that kingdom. We've been in the time of that kingdom for nearly 2,000 years. But we're going to find out it's going to reach its culmination of viciousness and violence very soon. But it's still the angel speaking in verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. And another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first. And he shall subdue three kings. He's going to be diverse or different from the other ten kings because he is in fact Satan embodied in a man. He is probably some form of a hybrid as I've discussed in the thing about angels and UFOs. He says he shall speak great words against the Most High in verse 25 and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Now this time, times, and a dividing of time, when we compare with the book of Revelation, time equals one year. Times is two years. Dividing of time is half a year, three and a half years. That's the time that the Antichrist is going to be in control once he establishes himself by speaking these great words against the Most High. And that is the abomination of desolation spoken of in Daniel chapter 9. It is when they make an image of the beast and they erect it in the temple of God, which will be built at that time, and he will declare himself to be God and desecrate and pollute that temple. And so that's three and a half years of his oppressive reign on the earth when he's forcing people to take the mark of the beast or they'll be executed, and he's persecuting the saints of the Most High. Verse 26 says, But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So his ultimate end is the lake of fire when the, the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And he will establish his kingdom and take back the kingdom of heaven that was stolen from him. Now, if we go back to Daniel chapter 2 and the image of the Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And remember, we had the head of gold and the breast of silver and the loins of brass and the legs of iron. When talking about the iron, that's the Roman Empire. That's the fourth empire. The same as the dreadful beast with the ten crowns and the ten horns and the uh, iron teeth. But back in the image, it's two legs of iron and then feet that are mixed with iron and clay. And the indication is there's going to be a mingling of something that doesn't mingle in the end. It's going to be what helps disintegrate this fourth kingdom. In verse 41 of Daniel 2, we read, And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. There's going to be something broken about this. In other words, it's the weakness. You've heard the expression, the Achilles heel, 
right? That was Achilles was dipped in something that uh, made him um, invincible. <laughs> uh, but where they held him to dip him was in the ankle. And so that part is known as the Achilles tendon or the Achilles heel because it was the one vulnerable spot that he had. Well, it's going to be the Achilles heel of this kingdom. There's a weakness because of this mixing of iron and clay. Well, what does that mean? Verse 43, And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. I truly believe that there's something going on genetically there that the fallen angels, probably posing as aliens conducting experiments genetically, are trying to alter human genetics. I believe the mark of the beast is going to be tied to that somehow. And the alteration of human genetics to turn them into something hybrid, that's not going to work. It's not going to give the invincibility or the strength or the power that the Antichrist is predicting and hoping that it will. We read something in the book of Psalms. Psalm 74, and in verse 12 it says, For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Now, that's an interesting passage. We talked about the episode of the serpent in the garden last time, and we found out that that's Satan, and it's a picture of him and his political power, but Leviathan is another name or picture of Satan. And we saw in the book of Job, chapter 41, that he was this invincible creature that you couldn't, you couldn't uh, defeat him in battle, or you couldn't get a spear through his scales and those type of things. But God can break him. He's going to break the heads of Leviathan in pieces. And that's how the weakness of the kingdom is going to come about. Something through this mingling of the iron and the clay. Something that's going to introduce a weakness in the power of Satan and his antichrist. And that weakness manifests itself in the end times, right before the Lord comes. If we go to the book of Revelation again, chapter 17... We'll talk about these ten kings a little bit more. When we're first introduced to this dreadful beast with the seven heads and the ten horns, and he's a composite of all the animals before him, the lion, the leopard, the bear, he's that dragon. He's the ultimate beast in the end times there. He rises up out of the sea. What we didn't read in the rest of that chapter is that there is a woman, or rather she shows up in another chapter, uh, chapter 17, that rides on the beast. And she's called Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. Now, we're going to do an episode about her and explain what that is. But it has to do with an apostate city that is going to be the, 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 the seat and power of the Antichrist. And she's known as the great whore of the Revel book of Revelation. Well, these ten horns, the ten kings that align themselves with the beast and give him their power, are going to turn and destroy her. Ultimately, she's going to be judged and destroyed. God's going to turn the very same beast against her that she was riding on, that gave her her power. 
And in verse 16 of Revelation 17, we read, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Now the whore is a city, she's Mystery Babylon, if we read it tells you, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. They don't even know that they're carrying out God's will in the matter. They think they're doing it of their own accord. Verse 18, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So the whore is a city, and when they eat her flesh and burn it with fire, it's the destruction of that city or that kingdom or whatever. Ultimately, and I do believe it has something to do with the persecution uh, that, that's going on around the same time. But the city itself is the city that the saints are called to come out of. And it happens to be Jerusalem. It's going to be apostate Jerusalem. A lot of people think it's America, it's New York, it's this, it's that. It's Jerusalem. And we'll discuss that in greater length in a future podcast. But for now, I just want to show you these ten kings ultimately destroy the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Those ten kings are going to be arising from some people in positions of power today. We don't know their names. We don't know who they are. But there is a satanic global elite that is controlling the world right now. Nothing happens by accident. Everything that occurs is planned in advance by government. And government is controlled by the satanic global elite. When you look and you wonder why every time we vote, things don't turn out any better. Things continue to get worse. We're getting more riots, more chaos, more confusion, more craziness. It's by design. This is being planned and it has been planned for some time now. Do not fall into the illusion of thinking that if we just elect this person or if we just change that law, we're going to make everything better. The left versus right paradigm is a delusion, and it is a diversion from the spiritual warfare that's going on. Racism, politics, all of that, media, it's all designed to distract you from what's coming. While you're watching over here, it's like a magician who uses sleight of hand to hide what he's really doing with the other hand. You're watching the right hand hold a flower. The left hand is doing the bait and switch. It's been going on like this for many, many years. My heart and aim is to try to get people to wake up and see your answer is not going to be found in men because Satan is the God of this world and he controls men through these fallen angels. They control the governments of the world, the corporations of the world, the science, the, the academies, the media. And that's what we're going to talk about starting next week. We're going to go in and do the best we can to expose them. It's actually going to be starting next year. So we'll start the year off right as we discuss the satanic global elite in the next episode. So I hope you'll tune in. Zena and I both appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends about us, leave any comments, send me questions. I would love to address any questions you might have related to the Bible and the mysteries of the Bible. So till next time, thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.